right. Hey, good morning, Three Circle. All of our campuses joining us right now from Robertsdale to Daphne to Midtown Mobile to Thomasville. Great to be with y'all today. We're going to bring the kudzu series to an end. We could have gone on and on and on like kudzu does. It goes on and on and on. Uh, but we got to bring it to an end today. And we talked about so many different spiritual kudzu vines. If this happens to be your first time with us, we're doing a series where we're looking at this thing that we all know here in the South called kudzu, this vine that basically took over our entire region. It was supposed to help. It ended up becoming a problem. It was brought to us from Japan to help with erosion. It ended up taking over everything. Uh, We see that same principle in our spiritual lives. We think that there's things in our own lives that if we let them take root, they end up taking over. So we've looked at things like insecurity and anger. We've looked at things like greed, that if we let it drive our lives, it can take us over. And today, we're going to look at another one. We're going to look at the idea of fear. The last one we're going to look at is fear, because if you let fear uh, drive you, it can destroy you. But it does not have to. Fear doesn't have to destroy you. In fact, today, we're going to look at the right fear. And the wrong fear, because there's two types of fear. One you need, one you should choose, and one is not good for you at all. We're going to look at those two things today. Now, when it comes to fear, we all have things we're afraid of. Let me ask you right now to answer that question. Just say it out loud. What comes to your mind the first time I say, uh, what are you afraid of? Just say it. Let's, like Just normal human fears. Some of you may have said spiders. Where's my spider people out there? Do I have anyone at all the campuses, spider people? How many of you are afraid of snakes? You don't like snakes. Okay. Uh, where's my needle people? You don't like needles. Come on. Where are you? You know, you're the 50 year old asking for a lollipop after you get your uh, flu shot. Uh, like, man, that was a lot. Some of you are scared to fly. You don't like planes. Some of you are afraid of public speaking. Where's my terrified of public speaking people? They say it's one of the number one fears. Um, I'll tell you one of mine and I want to show you what mine is. Okay. So, uh, one of my fears, and it really is a gripping one for me. I realized when I was a kid, uh, this, this really did get me. And the way I'm going to show you this, I'm going to introduce you to a guy by the name of Alex Honnold. Now, Alex Honnold is considered one of the greatest athletes in the world. And he's also fearless about something because Alex Honnold climbs the biggest mountains in the world, and he does so without ropes. No safety devices whatsoever. It's just his hands and his feet on the mountainside. Now, He did a couple of years ago, and you can go read about this. There are many, many, many. I'm not making this up. This isn't hyperbole. There are many people that say it's the greatest athletic feat in human history, what this man did. He climbed the sheer granite face of El Capitan in a matter of hours with no ropes. And because I want you to feel uncomfortable today, I thought I would just show you him doing that. Check this out, if you can keep your eyes on it. This is Alex Honnold climbing. That's really high, y'all. You're looking at my fear right there. I I can't even look at it. It's bothering me just your faces while you're looking at it because I know what you're looking at. That's unbelievable. Like right now, I'm like, get away from the edge, bro. What are you doing? Don't stand there. That's, he climbed that without any ropes. All it would take is one, oh man, one miss placed hand, one, I don't know, just like get a muscle cramp or something, you know? I mean, and he did it fearless. Now that's one of mine. Now we all have these fears that we kind of laugh about and you go, oh man, that gets me. But the more important things I think that we need to watch out for are those that are in our hearts. These deeper things that are spiritual issues in our lives like kudzu that grow and take over. And what I want to do today is I want to look at the right fear and the wrong fear. And to do so, I'm going to show you one guy in the Bible that chose the right fear 
And it had such a great impact on his, on his life when he avoided the wrong fear and chose the right one. And then I'm going to show you a guy who literally destroyed his life by choosing the wrong fear. So let's begin by doing that. Fear, write it down as a kudzu vine that can either protect you the way kudzu was supposed to do from spiritual erosion. So if you choose the right fear, it will grow you spiritually. But you choose the wrong fear, it will choke out the spiritual growth in your life. And the first one we're going to look at is a guy by the name of Joshua. Joshua. Now, if you will forgive me for a moment, because I wasn't planning on doing this illustration until I watched a ball game last night, and I was like, it's just too obvious, okay? So Joshua, I want to tell you what Joshua was feeling when he was told that he was going to take over command of the Israelites, because we're going to see what happened when he did that. He had every reason to be afraid. So last night, forgive me uh, if, if you're on the different side of, of, of these football teams, but I was watching the Alabama game, and you may or may not know this, but Alabama's starting quarterbacks considered one, now one of the greatest collegiate quarterbacks ever, won the Heisman last year. He's hurt. Shoulders hurt. So this backup quarterback on one of our big games had to step in, okay, and take over for the man. Like, you don't want to be the man that follows the man. So you, the backup quarterback yesterday for Alabama had to step in for Bryce Young, Heisman. This guy's great. Like, everyone goes, he's great. And you got to take over for him. And do you know what it showed? And do you know what the commentators said and the coaches after the game said? They all said, that guy was playing like he was afraid. He was nervous. He was turning the ball over. At one point, I was like, well, just go ahead and hand him the ball, man. Just go here. You can have it. You know, throwing the ball on the ground. He was nervous. He, he was afraid. And you can understand, right? Like, I've got empathy for the guy because I think we would all be afraid stepping in for that guy. The expectations are just so huge. Now, that's Joshua. Joshua is taking over for Mr. Bible Heisman, Moses, all right? Like, you don't get bigger than that. Moses. Moses split, like, how is Joshua ever going to do anything to even compare? Like, you want me to follow that guy? He split the Red Sea. He's Mr. Hey, Pharaoh, let my people go. He's that guy. Remember that as a kid, if you grew up in church like I did? Hey, yo, Pharaoh, let my people. It's a Baptist. Someone got that. Sorry. He has every reason to be afraid, right? He's got every reason for his knees to be knocking and his palms to be sweating. And they were, of course they were. When he realizes Moses is dead and God wants me to lead his people across the finish line into the end zone, into the promised land. So what does God say to Joshua in that moment to try to help him with his fear? Here's what he says. Interestingly, he starts with truth. The biggest kryptonite to the wrong fear is the truth of God. So he starts by saying to Joshua, not sharpen your swords, not get your military tactics ready, not read a John Maxwell leadership book so you're ready for this. No, he says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. So right out of the gate, God says, Joshua, the number one thing you're gonna have to do is get in my word. For you to do this, For you to not be afraid and not be nervous, you're going to have to commit yourself to my word. He says, for then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. And then I love verse 9 because Joshua's sitting here going, me, me, you're choosing me. I can't take Moses' place, all that. Verse 9, 
Have I not commanded you? In other words, it'd be different if someone else was telling you to do this, Joshua, but I'm telling you to do it, and because I've chosen you, you can do it. You are my man. It doesn't matter what Moses has done. It doesn't matter what the world thinks. It doesn't matter if anyone else thinks you can do this. I know you can do it, and I'm the one that's choosing you, so you can do it. That's what God is saying to him. He says, have I not commanded you? And then he says to him, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed, and here's why. Don't be frightened. Don't be dismayed, Joshua, because you're such a military genius and you're a great leader. No, that's not what he said. Because you're so talented, that's not what he said. He said, no. Don't be frightened. Don't be dismayed. For the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. That's why you don't have to be afraid. Now, how did this impact Joshua? How did, because you can tell if, if he listened or not, and he did. Verse 10, Joshua then commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions. For within three days, you are to pass over this Jordan to go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. In other words, you see Joshua transformed into a man of action because he had chosen to not fear the wrong things, but fear his God. Joshua chose to fear God, so he didn't have to fear anything else. What you're seeing here is what we're going to call biblical courage. Now, biblical courage is different. Like, I grew up in the 80s and 90s when the, the number one uh, visible, like, symbol of masculinity in America was Sylvester Stallone, you know? So I grew up on Rambo and Rocky. So Stallone, if you remember, he had the machine gun, and like 40 people could be shooting at him with their machine guns. Somehow they can't hit him. But somehow he can hit everybody, right? And you remember he'd make that noise like, and his jaw would shake while he's shooting and he's running and there's stuff blowing up and all that. You know what that is? That's bravado. That's bravado. I grew up on professional wrestling. I grew up on macho men, Randy Savage and all that kind of stuff. And I just love that stuff. It's just bravado. It's not real. That's not leadership. It's just bravado. It's hubris. That's not, that's not biblical courage. Biblical courage is not, we can do this, we're going to... No, that's not it. Biblical courage is built on a foundation. Biblical courage is having full confidence, not in yourself, but in God. That's biblical courage. Write it down. In God and his word. And that leads to obedience, even in the face of fear. It's not confidence in yourself. In America, we're way over the line on this. We are so set. Like, we're the best that's ever been, and, and we do have a great country. And I can't even tell you how thankful I am for this country. But look, we are way too self-confident sometimes. And we teach that, so be self-confident. You know, Christianity doesn't teach self-confidence. It teach God. It teaches God confidence. That we're to be confident in who he is and what he can do. Not only that, but it leads to obedience. And I love this, even in the face of fear. See, bravado acts like you're not afraid. But biblical courage is totally comfortable going, yes, I'm afraid. And I'm still going to lead because of God. Do you think Joshua suddenly wasn't afraid of the armies he knew he would face? Of course he was still afraid. Jesus, do you remember him in the Garden of Gethsemane? Lord, is there Father? Is there another way? That biblical courage is not you not being afraid at all. It is you not letting fear drive you or keep you from doing what God wants you to do. 
There's always plenty to be afraid of. I remember when we started having kids. I didn't realize it, but I got afraid. We had our first child, and I remember I was so excited. I get Gabe, I do the Lion King thing. You know, I hold him up and all that. And then I remember sitting there with him, and my wife's recovering, and I'm looking at him. He's over in the crib, and I begin to think to myself, what are we going to do with this thing? I don't know what we're going to I don't know what I'm doing. What are we going to do? Somebody going to tell me what to do? I remember I even met, y'all, I messed up. The, like I, did, I couldn't get the seat in the car the right way. Whoever designed those things, right? I mean, it was failure right out of the gate. I thought, I can't even get this right. And you know what? I couldn't give him back just because I was afraid. No, God had chosen me to be his dad. And boy, I've messed it up so many times, but he's going to be a senior in high school next year. And you know what? We, like yesterday, he came on the back porch, just gave me a big bear hug and said, I love you, dad, which means, wow, something went right, you know, from that day. That's good, right? And I love him to death. And, 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 and I just think, you know what, though? I've been afraid so many times. I remember when he was turning 13, I was afraid. I was like, oh, teenager. And you know what? You keep pushing forward with your fear, but with confidence in the Lord. Does that make sense, church? Look, I'm not telling you not to be afraid of the oncology appointment that some of you have this week where you're going to get that checkup. I'm not saying be bravado. You're not afraid. No, no. I'm asking you to be confident and courageous in the Lord, even in the face of your fear. To step forward. I know it's tough to go, we're going to fight for our marriage And if you're fighting for your marriage today and some of you walked in and you're going, you know, bravado would say, just look at everyone. Oh, we're fine. Everything's great. We're wonderful. God bless. If there was two of us, it'd be too many. We're just so joyful. And how about we just stop all that? Some of you are here today and you're struggling. You're sitting by each other by the grace of God. You're in counseling, you're working, you're reading everything you can because you've decided we're going to fight for this and you're afraid. And I want to tip my hat to you and say, Thank you for being courageous even in the face of your fear. Keep fighting. Keep moving forward. Because bravado and hubris doesn't help you in real life. But confidence in the Lord does. And acting on what he tells you to act on does matter. Biblical courage. So there's wrong fear and there's right fear. Joshua decided I'm not going to fear everything else. I'm going to respect and fear my God. There's the wrong fear though. And I'm not talking about spider snakes and heights. I'm talking about things like these four I'll give you today. One, the fear of the unknown. Some of us are crippled by the fear of what we don't know. We're control freaks. We want to know everything. So if we don't know something, it freaks us out. So what we don't know really, really worries us. The fear of the unknown. Here's another one of the wrong fears. The fear of people. And this one is one of the most crippling ones. We fear what people think. We fear their opinions. We fear what, listen, some of us get way too upset with our kid when they don't do well on a ball field, not because we care so deeply about our kid doing well on the ball field. We're worried about what all the people are going to think that our kid didn't do well on the ball field. See, that's the ugliness of kudzu that no one wants to admit. So I won't make you say it out loud. You can just deal with it in your heart today. But we deal with that stuff, don't we? There's some of us in this room, you have allowed your, your fear of the opinions of people drive how you purchase things. It drove the neighborhood you ended up living in. It drives career choices you make. It drives, some of you are 50 years old. You're scared of your mama. I love you in Jesus' name. Insert spoon, stir pot. You know, because you just so that fear of what people are going to think or what they're going to say. 
drives you more than any of us want to admit. It's kudzu. Fear of people. The fear of the future. When I see people online constantly angry, whatever side of the aisle you may be on, and, and, and the ditches on either side of the aisle just get more and more radical, right? And so everyone just, do you know what I think? I think fear often masquerades as anger. Sometimes I look at people and their social media persona and I think that looks angry and what it really is is afraid. You're afraid. And the Bible tells you you don't have to be afraid. The New Testament's most repeated command to those churches was don't be afraid. And they weren't just worried about the next president maybe messing with the economic situation. They were worried about Nero knocking on their door the next day and hanging them on a pole and burning them so that he could light the streets with their bodies. They had real fear. Real stuff to be afraid of. And yet God looks at those people and he says, don't live in fear. Don't live in fear. It'll take your joy. It'll take your confidence. So what I would say to you today, listen, I love you so much as your pastor. I'm begging you, don't let politics, don't let your fear, don't let all of that stuff rob you of your joy. Live courageously in Jesus and know that whatever happens, no matter how bad it gets, up and down it gets, hey, you've got Jesus. Be joyful in Jesus. Love Jesus. Don't let these fears drive you. And then finally, the fear of failure drives many of us. This is probably one of the big ones that have driven me my whole life. Fear of failure. And for me, the fear of failure does not keep me from doing things. What it does is it drives me to work really hard to make sure stuff doesn't fail. And if I'm not careful, that can become a problem. So I hope it's okay for your pastor to... I'm just kidding. I don't deal with any of these. I'm a pastor. No. Yeah, I deal with that one. Big time. Fear of failure. I don't know where yours is. But the guy we're going to look at now, he dealt with all this stuff and it destroyed his life and he chose the wrong fear. And He's even going to tell you his fear. This is amazing. This guy is literally going to tell you what his fear was. His name is Saul. He was the first king of Israel. God gave him a crown. He broke it. He did not do well as a king. He could have. He should have. But he feared the wrong things and it caused him to be disobedient. Because watch, watch this. Disobedience is a sign of fearing the wrong thing. It really is. So here's the background. Saul becomes king. They're fighting battles as they were. The Philistines were attacking them a lot. He was having to handle business. So he has an army. They end up far away from kind of the capital city. And you need to understand that when he became the king, that was a new office that God created for Israel. He gave Saul certain responsibilities. They were civic in nature. He was to lead the armies. He was to fight the battles. He was to take care of the people. But Samuel was the priest. You remember him? The prophet and the priest. And Samuel alone was supposed to do the burnt offerings. No one else was supposed to offer these things. That was Samuel's job, not Saul's job. And it was clear. Remember what God told Joshua? You need to be careful to do everything I've told you to do in my word. And he was. And God blessed him. Saul's not going to be so careful. So Saul is away from Samuel and there's about to be a big battle. And the people began to pressure Saul. The people began to say, hey, 
what kind of king are you? Are you really, are you really not willing to do the burnt offering? What does it mean? You really gonna let Samuel boss you around? It was pressure. And he caved. And he offered the burnt offering. And he thought, no big deal, right? Oh, it's a big deal. It's a really big deal. Samuel shows up right after he does this, and here's how it went down. Samuel said to Saul, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord. Pause, church, listen. That's what sin really is. When we say, I've made a mistake or I sinned, let's be honest about it. When we sin against God, we have rejected him. That's what he says. It's not my words, it's him. You've rejected my commands. Then, then Samuel says, God has also now rejected you from being king. So Saul said to Samuel, you're right, I've sinned. I've transgressed the commandment of the Lord in your words. And now comes his admission. Because, here's why I did it. Because I feared the people. And then he tells you something else because this is what happens. Watch this. Obedience always follows fear. You will obey what you fear. You will. Saul says, I feared the people and I obeyed their voice. Be careful what or whom you fear. It will drive you. Verse 25. Now he begs Samuel. Therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may bow before the Lord. And Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you. You have rejected the word of the Lord. The Lord has rejected you from being the king over Israel. Now watch this. You're going to see Saul in heaven. I deeply believe that. Saul was a believer, and I can show you lots of evidence that he was. So this tells you that you can be a believer and miss out on a ton of what God had for you if you reject his word and his commands. Saul is not, notice God does not say that he rejects Saul as his child. He does not say that he rejects Saul as a person. What does he say? I am rejecting you as what? King over Israel. In other words, because you could not follow me, you can no longer lead them. So you can't do this anymore. I love you. I always love you. You can't be the king anymore. You couldn't follow me. You chose to be afraid of the wrong things. And it led you to disobey me. See, write it down, church. The consequences of having the wrong fear are debilitating. And you will obey what you fear. It's so important to understand this. He says it. He says, I feared them and I ended up obeying them. If you care too much about what people think about you, you will literally, you will be able to trace your life, your actions, what you did, what you bought, where you spent it. Because of other people's opinions. Some of us live in houses that we shouldn't have bought. They were a little too much. For people we were trying to impress, you know the sad thing is they don't even care. They don't care. They care for about that long. They, oh, nice house. You're the one with the mortgage for the next 30 years. But they're like, can we come over and have chili sometime? That'd be nice. It's your house you can't afford. <laughs> I mean, that's what we do. This is the game we play, right? I'm telling you that freedom, there's such freedom in choosing 
the right fear and avoiding the wrong fear. There is such freedom. It's why God wanted his leaders to be free of it. He's like, if you're going to lead my people, I need you to be free to be courageous, to reject the wrong fear. Jesus said it like this. And these verses uh, will prove to you that Jesus was not a motivational speaker. Here we go. Jesus is talking to his disciples who are beginning to get nervous about the way they are being perceived for following him. Jesus can see it. He can feel it. He can hear it. They're now being talked about badly. The fame that came with Jesus is now becoming infamy. The Pharisees are now starting to talk about putting them to death. It's getting, getting a little rowdy. People are saying now that they should have never followed Jesus. It's getting crazy. So Jesus looks at them and he says, Have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light. He's telling them, you're going to have to be courageous. This message I'm giving you, you're going to have to tell the world. And what you hear whispered, I need you to proclaim it on the housetops. Verse 28. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And that's why Jesus is not a motivational speaker. No one would invite Jesus to their high school. You remember those guys who are in high school, the motivational speaker comes, they're real happy. Hey guys, you guys can be winners. Y'all are winners. All the kids are like, it's 10 o'clock in the morning. Y'all are winners. Y'all can do things you couldn't even imagine. They're giving it their best shot. The reading rainbow, you know, giving it all they got. Jesus is not a motivational speaker. He looks at his disciples and he basically says, you got a decision to make. If you follow me, people are going to think you're weird. People are going to think you're crazy. And, it, and it's still the same message. If you follow Jesus, people are going to wonder, why do you spend your money that way? Why don't you do everything else that the world does? And I'll tell you this. If you follow Jesus, you'll make both Republicans and Democrats mad. I've learned the hard way. You just will. You just will because you can't slap a political party on Jesus. I'm sorry. So everybody gets a little bit mad and Jesus is looking at his disciples and he goes, hey, listen, this is a hard road. But he says, but this hard road is where the joy is and the comfort is and the purpose is. And he's like, yeah, I'm telling you, if you want to live for me and it's what you want, I know it's what you want. This is what it costs. And you're going to have to decide, am I afraid of the world or do I fear and respect my God? That's what you got to decide. Oh man, there's been times where I knew that I needed to speak on something, but I knew the second I released that into the world, what was coming. And there's fear. Oh, man, there's fear. And you deal with the same thing, and God says, no, no, be strong and courageous, for I am with you. I'm with you. You don't have to be afraid. I am with you. See, what and whom you fear have influence over you. That's why Jesus wanted his disciples to decide. God wanted Joshua to decide. God wanted Saul to decide. Who are you going to fear? And if you fear the world or the opinions of people or what the future is going to be, then, then you've missed it. And it's going to rob you. You know what freedom is? Freedom is walking with God to the point where you can have concern over who the next president will be, but you don't have fear over it. Hear the difference? Oh, I want, I want you as a church to be concerned about everything. I don't want you to be afraid of anything. 
concern will allow you to speak thoughtfully into situations, to have thoughtful conversations, to maybe move the needle. Fear will make you put stupid stuff on Facebook. Once again, insert spoon, stir pot, right? So I want to help us all to be people that live fearlessly because of who we follow. So what's the right fear? The right fear, as you can see now, is to fear God. And fearing God is not being scared of him. God doesn't want you to be scared of him. What fear, biblically, of the Lord is, is a respect and reverence that leads to obedience. That's what it is. You can tell if you fear the Lord by your obedience. That's why Samuel said to Saul, to obey is better than sacrifice. Right? That's why God said to Joshua, be careful that you do everything I've told you to do. That's going to show me if you trust me. It's going to show me who you're afraid of or not. Jesus says to the disciples, you're going to have to preach this message. And it's going to make a lot of people mad. On all parts of politics and religion, everybody's going to get mad at you. The Romans are going to be mad at you. The Jewish establishment's going to be mad at you. Your own parents, he had to warn them. Remember that? He said, your own father and mother may turn against you. And you're going to have to preach this message. It's going to get you killed, most of you. John, they're going to try to kill you. They're just going to end up putting you on an island. When you get out there, write a book. Preacher jokes. They're so fast today, they're just blowing right by us. Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. In other words, it's not the whole house, but it's, it's the most important piece. It's the foundation of your spiritual life is to decide that you fear the Lord and that you don't fear other things. It's the concrete upon which you're going to build everything else. So for your marriage, if you haven't nailed down that God is in control and you're not, then the rest of the house is always going to be a little shaky. You're always going to wonder, will this thing collapse? Unless the foundation is right. But can I tell you, God loves you. God loves everyone in this. He loves you so much and has such good plans for you. He wants you to make him the foundation of your life. Because when you do, look what he tells Joshua. He's like, it's going to be awesome. We're going to do great things. If you will build your life on my foundation, how different would Saul's life have looked had he built on the foundation of God and not the fear of other things? God doesn't want you living afraid. You know how a lot of us live? We live like turkeys. Y'all know about turkeys? So my grandfather and my dad were teaching me about the outdoors as a kid. They told me, they said, you know, uh, turkey is the most scared animal in the woods. I said, really? He said, yeah, look at him. Look at him the whole time. We're just doing this one the whole time. Look at her. Whole time, right? They do, right? He said, you know why, right? Because uh, everything tries to eat a turkey. So they believe everything's trying to eat them. So turkeys believe that the tree's going to try to eat them. So they're scared of the tree. They look around the bush. There's a bush. There's grass. So the turkey, the whole time, you never really, you've never seen a happy turkey in your life. You've never seen a turkey just roll out and relax. You, know, you will never see it. That little head's bopping the whole time. Why? Because he's like, everything's trying to kill me. And that's how many of us live. We live life like that. We live like, oh, everything's, oh, everything's bad. Everything's dramatic. You know what? 
you don't have to live, you don't have to live like that. Isn't that the great message of the gospel? The early church, they were all getting killed left and right, and God's like, yeah, but live with joy. You don't have to live in fear. This is a freedom message today. It really is. Fear the Lord. Write it down. No need to fear anything or anyone else. When you nail that down, when you pour that slab of concrete, you don't have to live like that anymore. It'll set your marriage free, your parenting free. What if you begin to parent your kids not worrying about what everybody else thinks? Your kid can strike out on a baseball field and you don't care a lick if all the other parents think your kid's a bad baseball player all of a sudden, like you have died to that and you just care about your kid. How free is that? That's freedom, y'all. How free would it be for you to go, you know what? I love my house and I don't feel like I need to change. Like I don't need to flip it or move it. I don't need more square footage. It's okay. I'm just free. And if you get a bigger house, it's all right. I'll come eat chili there if you invite me over. But I'm cool, man. Isn't that free? That's how God wants us to live. In fact, let's look at this last part. Psalm 34, 9 in closing. Listen to the O. I love O. That means it's like, come on, everybody. Don't miss this. Oh, like we don't use that language anymore. I don't walk in the house and go, oh, kids, would you clean your rooms? I say other things. Good things. Encouraging positive things. Psalm 34, 9. Oh, fear the Lord. Like that's joyful. But it's fear. No, that's because fear in the Lord's a good thing. It just means you all respect, you follow his. It says, oh, fear the Lord, you saints. Because those who fear him have no lack. In other words, we can relax. We're at peace. We have, joy. we have concerns. Oh, I got concerns. But I don't have to be afraid. And we're free in Jesus. Choose the right fear. You don't have to be afraid of anything else. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for your goodness and your grace today. And may we live what we have heard from your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.